A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We are postponing further cuts in corporation tax. It is sometimes claimed that I am anti-business. Made the position clear, we will have a referendum, we will have negotiations. Does the truth matter? I think it does, and I, I think it's very important. <laughs> a bill to introduce universal basic income. With free, high-quality childcare. A threshold for national insurance. Rail, mail, water and energy into public ownership. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Politics Podcast in the Times. I'm Matt Chorley. A cracking Friday episode for you this week. We've got a special chat with a party leader, no less. Alan Howling Lord Hope, leader of the monster-waving loony party, explains why on earth he stood in dozens of general elections and by-elections without success. That's coming up shortly. If you haven't yet sent us a question for our special episode, uh, please do. Loads of people have, but uh, just record yourself asking a question about the election or politics in general. Record it on your phone, email it to us at redbox at thetimes.co.uk, and we'll hopefully try and answer some of those next week. But it's Friday, it's the end of the week, so of course I'm joined by Esther Webber, the Redbox reporter, to take a look back over uh, a sort of eventful, if largely inconsequential, week in the uh, election campaign. (laughs) We seem to have had a few of them. (laughs) So let's, let's do it. Um, sort of chronologically. So the beginning of the week was the CBI conference. It feels like that was about eight years ago. It does. What was striking about it was Jeremy Corbyn went there and said, I love business, really. Don't yeah. don't think I'm a, I'm a hater. Uh, and then Boris Johnson went there and announced he was scrapping the one big policy that business liked, which was a big cut in corporation tax. Yeah, that was uh, rather a surprise, I think. And <laughs> I guess the spectacle was to... The two parties kind of wooing business and saying everything's going to be fine when we know that Jeremy Corbyn wants to raise taxes and make it harder for some big businesses. And also that Boris Johnson, not to put too fine a point on it, thinks F business (laughs) Brexit comes first. Yeah, that all went down uh, very well. Then on Tuesday, we had the TV debate, the first actual debate between Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn, but also the first two-header between the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition. Uh, Notable mainly because there was no debating. Yeah, I I tweeted about this at the time, but my sister was asking me why on earth anyone would watch it, given that more or less everyone in the country knows exactly what they think of the two men. Despite her misgivings, I managed to persuade her to watch some of it with me. Uh, half an hour was all she could take <laughs> and then she went off to do the washing up. Well I actually wasn't watching it live, I went to see Elton John in conversation oh, with yeah. David Williams. Much more entertaining. Which is much more entertaining. <laughs> it 
did feel, I can say, live, kind of painful to watch. I know, but worse was when I was watching it back as we drove home, I could see from Twitter that nothing happened. At least if you're watching it live, there's the potential <laughs> that something could happen at any moment, because I knew for a fact that nothing was going to happen. I would say there were a couple of moments, but unfortunately they both seemed to be moments of sheer kind of despair and cynicism from the audience. And this was when Jeremy Corbyn was being asked about his position in a subsequent referendum and the audience laughed at him, basically, which I think is a fairly (laughs) reasonable response. And something similar happened to Boris Johnson when he was talking about trust and why people should trust him. And I also drew kind of open derision. And I think that although some people don't like the studio audience being there, I think it does give a flavour of where their real problems are. The laughter at the idea of there being sort of trust in politics was was quite telling. The other thing that happened during the debate, but not on screen, was the Tory party rebranding its uh, Twitter account as Fact Check UK. What, what do you think about I mean, I basically think that it was a row generated by the Tories. They obviously thought, this will wind everyone up, this will be funny. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, and it, it was... Uh, I think notable that it was the press office Twitter account, mostly followed by journalists, that they rebranded. So it was journalists who sort of blew their top about it, slightly disguising what was actually happening on screen. And I think there's there's a case for saying this is a sort of Twitter Westminster bubble row, but I think there are a couple of ways in which it's a bit more than that. And one is it, it just adds to the general kind of disinformation thing we've been seeing not helped by things such as misleading lived them bar charts and all the rest <laughs> um, the more traditional it's quite old school misinformation yeah, that does filter through to what you might call normal people because what we're seeing more of now in this election is screenshots of certain stuff on twitter that's then being shared on facebook and is spreading a bit more that way And I think there's, because trust, as we mentioned, is so low that it just feeds into that kind of general mess that we're going to find it really difficult to get out of. And so after quite a lot of talking and not a lot really happening, we're now finally getting policies. It's We've sort of entered the manifesto period of of the campaign. We had the Greens on, oh, I've lost track of the days. The Greens on Tuesday, yeah. they announced a big £100 billion yeah. plan to tackle climate change. Then the Lib Dems on Wednesday, a big plan for spending on childcare. Yeah. And they're going to raise loads of money from legalising cannabis. <laughs> yes, but what, when Joe yeah. Swinson is Prime Minister. Yeah. Those two things might be uh, connected. And then we were all gearing up for the Labour manifesto launch, but Boris Johnson scooped himself and leaked a big announcement. So Boris Johnson apparently blurted out in Teesside on Wednesday that there's going to be a rise in the threshold for national insurance contributions, uh, uh, causing the entire lobby to go, hang on, that was going to cost about 10 billion quid and could possibly be the centrepiece of their manifesto. 
So it's almost like he's linked it, so then no one else has to. <laughs> Boris later in an interview, get, did an interview with the Times on his bus, and he insisted it was all deliberate, although the, I think Francis Elliott wrote in the Times that um, the pained expressions on his aides' faces suggested <laughs> otherwise. I mean, what it did mean, of course, was that the Tory manifesto pledge uh, was on the front of several of the papers on the day that Labour were launching theirs. So then on Thursday, we got Labour's uh, manifesto launch. Uh, the thing that struck me was that we knew knew about almost all of it. I mean, there was some new stuff on a windfall tax on oil companies, basically to raise some more money, or feeds into house this idea. Building. Some more house building. Yeah. But we sort of, if somebody had said to me, what's Labour's policy on house building? Yeah. It was probably to build a load more houses. It just doesn't feel like there's a game changer. No, it was quite different from last time in that way, where the Labour manifesto in 2017 really changed the whole election in a way. Um, First, because it leaked, and then secondly, because some of the stuff was so radical that people were running around panicking. And then it turned out that voters actually quite liked the sound of a loss of it. This seems a lot more stage-managed and predictable. And actually, I suppose because the pendulum has swung or the Overton window has moved or whatever, but there is a lot of radical stuff in there. It's just the same radical stuff they promised last time. And so if this is going to be the moment that Jeremy Corbyn ignites the campaign as he did last time, then it maybe needed to be... There needed some other big uh, shock in there. Yeah, it feels like it's not going to be... The campaign isn't going to be radically altered by the manifesto and something else is going to have to give. What would be interesting when we finally get the toy manifesto, which isn't due until Sunday, if you're listening to this on Friday, but I imagine it'll be drip-dripped until... I mean, the idea, I think, of doing it the weekend is they can try and dominate the whole weekend and into next week with their um, policy announcements. And then we've got more TV debates to look forward to to see if anything can shift. We haven't seen that uh, big sort of electric moment in the campaign which dramatically changes the polls. The Tories are climbing, Labour are climbing a bit, the smaller parties are being squeezed. Both of them might be feeling all right about themselves at the moment. Nothing's gone massively wrong. Some of the numbers below the headline were quite reassuring, probably for Labour after the TV debate. It feels like we're yet to have that breakthrough moment, or probably what we're hoping for that colossal screw-up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is likely to have far more impact. Um, interestingly, on the Labour policies, James Johnson was on the last podcast, uh, used to be a pollster in number 10. He did some polling for Red Box, and he wrote it up online as well, for looking at Labour's policies, not to see if they're popular, because we know from polling that they, they do seem to be quite popular, the big radical policies, but whether or not people think that Jeremy Corbyn will actually deliver them, and actually it turned out that they don't. Things like a four-day week. People love the idea of only working a four-day week. About 10 or 12% think it's actually going to happen. And that was true of free broadband and loads of other stuff. So, um, And it was telling, in, I thought, in Jeremy Corbyn's speech uh, at the manifesto launch, where he was trying to say, we will do this. Honestly, we will do this. <laughs> we really hate billionaires and we really will do this. <laughs> yeah, well, as I say, I think overcoming the natural and understandable cynicism of the British voter right now <laughs> is uh, a pretty tall order. So I think we've, we've covered everyone. So the, the, the Greens have had the manifesto, Lib Dems have had the manifesto, Labour have had the manifesto, Tory manifesto coming at the weekend. What's, what's Nigel Farage been doing? Well, Nigel Farage has been out and about, as he likes to do. And on Wednesday, he was in Dagenham. There were some big crowds there gathering to see him. 
and he was due to do a walkabout in the area, uh, which was then cancelled due to quote-unquote security concerns. He then gave what was described as an impromptu rally in a nearby pub, (laughs) which I think is now what I'm going to say every time I need to leave and go to the pub. (laughs) Just after doing an impromptu Impromptu rally. rally. Impromptu rally for the troops. I think Esther Webber holding impromptu rallies in pubs would prove much more popular than anything else we've seen this week. Uh, Massive thanks to Esther Webber. Like I said, if you have got any questions about the campaign or anything we've been talking about, uh, record yourself on your phone asking the questions, email them to redbox.thetimes.co.uk and we'll try to answer them next. Now, coming up after the break, I sit down with Alan Howling Lord Hope to ask him why on earth he's still standing for the monster-raving loony party and what happened when he tried to give Theresa May a badge with I'm a loony written on it. All that coming up after the break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So never let it be said that the Red Box podcast doesn't get all the big political interviews. The first of what might be a, a short series of interviews with the party leaders. Delighted to be joined by Alan Howling Lord Hope, leader of the monster-waving loony party. How, hello, how are you? I'm very good, Alan. I'm very good. It's, uh, it's lovely to do an interview in a pub. That's yes, always yeah, a good, why not? It's always a good place to do it's, uh, uh, it's, an it's, it's, it's my local weather spoons and fleet. So, Alan, monster-waving loony party, given how mad politics is right now, what is the point of the Monster Wavy Looney Party? We are the official Looney Party, not to be confused with Labour, Conservative and Liberal. And now they're proven us to be right, aren't they? <laughs> they are a bit. Yeah. So just just explain for people who don't know, how did the Monster Waving Looney Party come about? Because it's been, it's been going for a long time now. Party started in 1982, and it started on June the 16th, which I know for a fact because it's my birthday. Oh, very good. <laughs> and Screaming Lord Such was a good friend of mine, and it was that particular night where we decided we'd form this official monster raving loony party. 
I was the chairman and deputy leader, and of course Screaming Lord Such was the leader. And um, that's, that's how it first started. Now, I suppose most people's knowledge of the Montevideo Party is on election night, the counts, often of high-profile candidates, often Prime Minister's party leaders. There's, well, yes, of course. There's, uh, yeah. used to be David Such and now you, standing in the background with your well, big nose. not in the background, right in the front. <laughs> <laughs> People say to, say to me, how do you angry yourself to be right in the front of the, of the cameras election night? I'm me. I'm a showman. I don't go to these places to hide behind people. Well, clearly not. You've yeah. got your big rosette on. Yeah. Just talk us through how many times have you personally stood for election? For Parliament, 26. 26 times. I hope it's not too rude for me to point out none of them successfully. You've got a worse record than even Nigel Farage, who's had seven goes and turned out. Why do you keep doing it? Just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're allowed to do it. It's a, a democratic country, although after that uh, EU referendum you think we weren't. But we are, and we are allowed to do it. Many, many countries can't understand how we are allowed to do it. You take, I mean, I've been interviewed on, on, on Japanese television before now, and in Japan, a politician isn't even allowed to approach the public. He can talk from the back of a lorry, but he can't approach the public. They just wonder how we can do what we do and get away with it. And we're allowed to, and so we do it. Quite a lot of by-elections you've stood in over the years, as well as general elections. So in 2017, you stood against Theresa May in Maidenhead. Yes. You got 119 votes. Yes. I mean, she's renowned for her sense of humour. Did she enjoy you being on the campaign trail with her? I tried to give her a, 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 a loony badge with her face on, one of these. I've probably got one here now somewhere, with her face on saying, vote loony on the bubble, and she wouldn't take it. She, I said, go on, take this for you. So she looked at it, showed it to her agent, I suppose, who stood there, and they had a smile, and she gave it me back. I said, no, it's for you, you can keep it. She said, but, but I haven't got pockets. <laughs> so what a silly excuse. Anyway, I said, OK, I'll post it to you. She said, OK, if you must. <laughs> and so previously, before that, you stood against Boris Johnson in Uxbridge. You yes. got 72 votes. Yeah. Was he more up for it? Well, he, no, he wasn't to start with. He was a bit wary because if you go back to the 2010, uh, when I stood against David Cameron, there's a lovely picture of me on stage with David Cameron. We're holding each other's hand in the air as if I'd won. <laughs> and I guess he's seen that photograph and thought, well, I've got to be wary of this because he, you know, he, he conjure up some here. But he was all right in the end. In fact, you're dead right, I got 72 votes. Boris Johnson presented me with his latest book. Guess what it was called? 72 Virgins. Oh, is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do politicians make of you when you are out on the campaign trail? Politicians don't seem to mind at all. In a way, I think they, they, they're glad we're there. Like what we've often heard is, well, come on, because, because you're here, you, you, you make it a real, a real show, you know? Yeah. And the media, I mean, often heard the... the Thank God you're here, because it won't be so, it won't be so dreary now. Four people in dark suits isn't quite as good for the pictures, is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. You must mention um, somebody else, another high-profile person I stood against in Kensington and Chelsea. Ah, Michael Portillo. Michael Portillo. Yes, you've got 20 votes. 20 votes, but I still didn't come last. Oh, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I still beat three other people. Is 20 the <clears> worst? Probably the record in a, in a, a parliamentary election, yes. Yeah. We had somebody get one vote before in a... In a um, a local. Why do people go out on a dark night, wander down to the polling station, go to the trouble of voting and then vote for the Monster Wave Looney Party? What's the point? People say allowed to. We've always said uh, the only wasted vote is one that's not used. If you've, if you've ever thought that you want to vote for none of the above, 
we are none of the above. If our name's in the middle, we're also none of the below. (laughs) (laughs) And it depends what your name is on the ballot paper. Okay, so let's talk about this election. What are your policies? What's in your manifesto? I've not got got a copy of the manifesto. Oh, nor have I. (laughs) (laughs) Does it exist? It does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go through some of the big issues that all the other parties have. What's what's the monster waving loony party position on Brexit? Oh, well, from day one, we've always said, which is what, three and a half years ago? In, out, in, out, shake it all about. In, out, in, out, shake it all about. Now, obviously, politicians have took notice of that. Because that's exactly <laughs> what they've done. That is exactly <clears throat> what has ended up happening. Yes, 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 yes. You'll also find that over the years, you poke a bit of fun at us. Underneath it all, we're very, very sensible. We've come up with policies over the years, which other parties have picked up on. Yes, policies that started out as a joke have ended up becoming law. Yes. So let's talk, let's talk through some of those. You advocated lowering the voting age before anyone else. 21 to 18. Because the thing was, that's when we first started out. And passports for pets was another Passports one. for pets. That yeah. was a joke. You literally thought that cats and dogs should have passports. It works the other way as well. European dogs can come to Britain. British dogs don't win crufts anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, I suppose on the subject of pets, we should point out that so that David Such died in 1998. You 1999. T- and, and so it then fell to you to take over the party, yes. but it wasn't just you who was the leader. No. You had a co-leader. Yes. My cat, Cat Mandu. Um, <laughs> should we let the party die with screaming Lord Such or should we carry on? We then had a, a vote on who should become the leader. And lots of people voted for my cat as well. And there was only two, two in the race, me and my cat. And we both got 112 votes each, I believe. I was the chairman at the time, so I voted for myself and declared that we would become the first party in the world to be ruled by a man and beast. <laughs> and somebody at the back said, Oh, no, you're not. What about John Major and Margaret Thatcher? <laughs> <laughs> Katmandu's sadly no longer Katmandu, with us. yes. He's no longer with us, though. No, he got, he got run over. Um, in fact, I know it's only tongue-in-cheek, but I was accused of assassinating him. So it's I've become the sole leader. Wow, it, it does all happen. It's <laughs> yeah. the same in, in every other political party. <laughs> yeah, which wasn't true, of course, but there you are. You've been leader for, what, 20 years? 20 years. 20 I'm years. Britain's longest-serving party political leader at the moment. No one's thought to try and launch a... I mean, your, your electoral record in other parties would have probably had you removed by now. <laughs> Although, actually, having said that, Theresa May lost her, her majority, managed to say. Yes, yes. And so when you look around at politics, is it harder for you to cut through with the looniness when the rest of politics is so mad? No, it's easier. People are phoning me up now, even people in the fleet saying, oh, we're so glad you're standing in North East Hampshire. We, we can vote for you now. It would be amazing if I saved my deposit. Have you ever managed to do that? No, never, no. ever. So what, what do you need to get? So you, you have to pay £500 to stand yes. as a deposit. 5% of the turnout. Just, right. five, just 5%. I mean, we, did, we nearly did, well, Screaming Lord Sutton nearly did it in Rotherham once, but he got 1,100 and something. He was about half half a percent short of, short of or, or one one percent short of getting it. Yeah. Well, well, this could be this could be the year, Alan. You it could, could be. <laughs> What's that? How many candidates have you got standing? Twenty-four. We did have thirty-two on paper to start with, but as time goes on, some drop out. They can't raise the money or whatever, whatever, whatever. And why why do people do it? You have to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> but why do you keep doing it? Well, just just said earlier because I'm allowed to and because I can do. Yeah. And it's good fun and I enjoy doing it, and I meet lots and lots of people. Uh, why do I keep doing it? It's in my blood now. I've got to keep it going in memory of our spiritual leader, screaming Lord Such. Do you think there's something about it? There's something sort of quintessentially British. There's a sort of... Oh, yes. There's something... Loony is a very British word. Lots of people from all over the world belong to our party, mainly expats. So how, how many members have you got altogether? Um, well, that's, that's very, very debatable. 
Because <laughs> when Screaming Lord Such was alive, if you spoke to him, he'd give you a membership card. So there was no central record, <laughs> necessarily. Which current politician would you like to try and defect to the Malta Waving Looney Party? I think, Bo- I think, I think Boris. I mean, we've, we've got... It, we, this time, I, I stood against Boris last time in Uxbridge. This time around Uxbridge, our party member, Lord Buckethead, is standing against him. Now, I need to speak to you about this, because... This is a different Lord Buckethead to the other Lord Buckethead, yes. isn't it? So the Lord Buckethead that stood against Theresa May last time had to change his name because your Lord Buckethead had the copyright. Is that right? I'm not. The story is a little bit vague in my mind, really. <laughs> there's some American comes into it somewhere, isn't it? Yes, there is. Yeah, it all gets a bit complicated. Yes. But you've you've got the Lord Buckethead yes. defected, yes. even if it's a slightly the, different person. The person now, the, the other Lord Buckethead, Mr. Binface. But not for the Monster Wave Looney Party. Not for the Party. Just finally, then, imagine that there's a big shock on December the 12th. You win, you stand outside number 10. What's the speech you deliver, and what's the first policy that you enact? The first policy that I would do is I would uh, paint the town red. <laughs> the whole of Westminster? Yes. Paint the whole of Westminster red. <laughs> well, that's probably the least damage that anyone could do. Well, we can only wait and see what happens on yes. December the 12th. Alan Howling Lord Hope, thank you very much. And thank you very much. <laughs>